Well, can you guys believe that we're just seven days away from Christmas? Isn't that crazy? Feels like this year has just flown by so fast. And, um, you know, one thing that has become apparent to me this year is that there's a lot of different ways to do Christmas. Have you ever noticed that? Like everybody doesn't Christmas the same. Like how do you Christmas? Like maybe for you, maybe you classy Christmas. Maybe Christmas looks like this for you. And so you're all like white lights and tinsel and garland. And, you know, all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah carry is like your jam it just puts you in the mood and um you know like your your favorite movies miracle on 34th street how many of you are like a classy christmas kind of person like you bougie and you know it all right maybe you don't classy christmas maybe you do christmas a little bit different maybe you live a little bit closer to the like cherokee county line and you redneck christmas how many of you are more the redneck christmas type and uh, for you, it's like all of the blow-up inflatables, all of the multicolored lights like in your yard. Your favorite Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation. Cousin Eddie is your hero. And Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer is your Christmas soundtrack, right? How many of you would be like, I'm, I'm kind of a redneck Christmas kind of person? And, and then maybe, maybe you're like a combination of the two um, and you are a mullet Christmas kind of person where you're like business in the front but party in the back, okay? You, uh, you mullet Christmas if you live in one of those neighborhoods where you have a communist HOA, you know what I'm talking about? And uh, they don't let you do it how you want to, so you... Uh, you look nice in the front, but you're a, you're a party in the back. Or, or maybe you're not that. Maybe you're just the classic commercialized Christmas, okay? And you're not even mad about it. You're just like, I'm all about the gifts, okay? Like Christmas is about getting for me, give me gifts on gifts on gifts on gifts. Uh, like your favorite Christmas movie is the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Any Santa Claus fans in the house? Okay, get a different church. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But, uh, but you love the gifts and you're not even upset about it. Your favorite Christmas soundtrack is I want a hippopotamus for Christmas, right? Because Christmas for you is about the gifts. And, and, and maybe that's not you. Maybe you're like more holy than me and you are a minimalist Christmas and you've got that Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And okay, we got some holy people in the house tonight. They're like, yes, that's me, minimalist Christmas. And you see down there, you got three gifts, only three gifts by your tree because Jesus only got three gifts. And so you only do three gifts and your Christmas soundtrack is Silent Night, but like the instrumental version because, you know, lyrics are just too much, right? You minimalist Christmas or, or maybe you're like, I don't want any of this, Joey. All right. All of this is just too chaotic, too crazy for me. And so for me, the way I do Christmas is I Caribbean Christmas. Okay. And you're like, I'm just trying to get out of here. Uh, margaritas are my gift and Feliz Navidad is my Christmas soundtrack. Right. And you're like Caribbean Christmas. If that's you, I just want for you to know I'm free. Please take me with you. All right. If you're gonna Caribbean Christmas. You know, there are a lot of different ways you could Christmas, but what if there was a way that was better than all of them? What if you could Christmas like Jesus? What if you could cut through all of the empty traditions and really experience the transformation that Christmas is supposed to be about? What if you could Christmas like Jesus? Like the one who started this holiday in the first place. For the last several weeks, we've been looking at this one verse, and I want to continue tonight to just dive deeper and deeper into this verse to figure out how we can Christmas like Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, hold them up, hold them up. We say this every week, we are people of a book. Our understanding of God is not primarily shaped by tradition or popular opinion or culture or what we're comfortable with. Our understanding of God is shaped by the word of God. This is our first source, our final authority, and the greatest love story ever written. And the best part of it all, amen, amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. We're going to keep picking this scripture apart tonight. This is what it says. It says that the son of man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For even the son of man, this is a title for Jesus, has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, in week one, we looked at that first part. We said what the Son of Man what didn't come to do, what Jesus wasn't born for, what Christmasing like Jesus doesn't look like. And this is what I'm here to tell you tonight, is that Christmasing like Jesus doesn't look like getting everything you want. 
It doesn't look like making a wish list and getting every gift that your heart desires. It doesn't look like a peaceful, quiet, cozy, quaint Christmas. Jesus says, I've not come to bring peace but a sword. It doesn't look like just hanging out with religious people or church people. Jesus says, I've not come for the healthy. It's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. It doesn't look like being religious and condemning people. Jesus says, I have not come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. And so in week one, we looked at what Christmas seemed like Jesus doesn't look like. And then in week two, we started to look at what Christmas seemed like Jesus actually looks like. And it looks like serving. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Let me hear you say serve. And if you want a Christmas like Jesus, then you got to serve other people. And last week we said that God left heaven and he came to earth and Jesus was born in a stable into a family of servants and he served. He washed feet, he got his hands dirty, he rode on a donkey and he climbed up on a cross to be a suffering servant. And so Jesus, the way that he Christmas is, is he serves. And so if we want a Christmas like Jesus, then we've got to serve. The path towards Christmas joy is placing Jesus and others above yourself. And tonight we're going to look at the next part of this verse. For even the Son of Man came not week one to be served, but to serve week two and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me hear you say give. If you want a Christmas like Jesus, then you've got to learn to give. Jesus was born to give. Now, before you get all stressed out and worried and think that we're gonna talk a little bit about giving tonight, let me tell you first what God has given you. Can I tell you tonight, can I just remind you tonight how much of a giver my God is? Like think for a second about all that God has given us. He gave us creation. He created a world, a beautiful world. Like, when's the last time you opened your eyes to the wonder of the world that we live in? I'm talking sunsets and sunrises, moons and stars, mountains and valleys, grass and flowers. It is a beautiful world that God created and that he gave to us. I went to the aquarium the other day, y'all, and uh, I was reminded that God gave us whale sharks and dolphins. Have y'all ever seen the dolphin show at the aquarium? Like, I about got saved again, okay? I was like... This is amazing, all that dolphins can do, okay? God gave us, if you don't think that God is a giver, I want for you to know God gave us beluga whales. Check this bad boy out. Like God gave us belugas, and, and that's how you know that God also wants to give us laughter, amen? Like God is okay with us laughing because he gave us beluga whales. God gave us uh, sea turtles, okay? My son Haddon Crew McLaughlin is obsessed with sea turtles, okay? Um, every time that Haddon sees a sea turtle, this is his legitimate reaction. Are you ready? He goes, Toidle! Toidle! Toidle, 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 toidle! He just loves sea turtles. And it, y'all think I'm playing. That's, what, that's how that boy acts every single time. And it, it made me realize that we have not just lost the wonder of Christmas, we've lost the childlike wonder of what our God has given us in creation of the world that he created. Like I want for you to imagine for a second, like being Adam or Eve on that first day of creation and opening your eyes and seeing this perfect world, this beautiful world with every blade of grass and every tree and every flower and every star and every bird, all of it. And it was just for you, for you, creation gifted from God to you, for you to enjoy. Like this is just a little discipling moment. There's a scripture and it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Every time you open your eyes, you should go, wow, another gift that God gave me. Another day of life, another day that he has prepackaged and that he's put together for me to experience. Like I want for you to do this real quick. Close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes. Open your eyes. Everything you see, God created and gave you. Every, close your eyes again. Close your eyes, close your eyes, close them. Open them again. Everything you see, God created and gave you. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Joey, there's like metal and like speaker. Like God didn't make that. But he made like the periodic table of elements that like made us be able to make that, okay? Like everything that you can see, everything that is, God gave us. 
but God didn't just give us creation. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that God gives man dominion. He gives us rulership and authority over the earth. He says, subdue it, rule over it. He gives us a command to be fruitful and multiply, to make babies and a lot of them, okay? God gives some good commands, hallelujah. He is a good God who gives good gifts to his creation. God gave man creation and a dominion and the, the opportunity to be in relationship with each other. And what does man give God? Man gives God rebellion. Man gives God rebellion. If you remember the story, God created man and he put him in a perfect creation, a garden called Eden, and man chose his way over God's way. He chose rebellion, and what rebellion was supposed to lead to is separation, but God is such a giver that when God, when man chose rebellion, God gave redemption. He sent his son. Come on, somebody. This is a story of Christmas that on John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life even when we choose our own way even when we don't choose God God chooses us even when we choose the things that God has made over God himself God is still gifting us salvation and redemption and life with him because my God is a giver I just want for you to try to get into your mind today how much of a giver God is think about it do you remember that Jesus is the first gift, Christmas gift? The first Christmas gift that was ever given was God giving his son to us. What a gift, Emmanuel, God with us, given to us, for us. Jesus is the first Christmas gift. On that first Christmas morning, God left heaven and he came to earth and he said, I need some wrapping paper. And so he went into the Virgin Mary and Jesus in that womb rolled around, wrapped himself up in humanity and came as God's gift to us. And I'm here to tell you tonight that 2,000 years later, we're still unwrapping the gift that is Jesus Christ. We are still unwrapping Jesus. We're still seeing how good he is. We're still seeing how much substance there is to his person. We're still understanding all the elements of his character. We're still seeing how beautiful he is. We're still seeing how sovereign he is. We're still learning things about him, learning things about the world that he created. We're still putting together all the puzzle pieces of scriptures and this incredible story that he's been writing 2,000 years later. We're still unwrapping Jesus. Like it's, it's one of those gifts, like you ever open a gift and somebody's like, there's like multiple parts to this gift and you reach down on the inside and you pull something out and you're like, this is amazing. And they're like, there's more. You know what I'm talking about? You get back in there and you're going through the tissue paper. You put, oh my gosh, this is amazing. There's more. And you just keep on going. And I'm just, I'm just wondering tonight if some of you need to get past some of the religious tissue paper that is covering up the greatness of Jesus and really understand the gift that it is for God to come be with you tonight. Because oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what a gift we have in Jesus. Oh, what a rabbi we have in Jesus. Oh, what a high priest we have in Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful counselor. Oh, what a prince of peace. Oh, what a mighty God. Oh, what an everlasting father we have in Jesus. I want for you to know that I can make a list and check it twice and still not get to the bottom of the greatness of who Jesus is. And he brings healing to the hurting. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is our salvation, our propitiation, our sanctification. He is the one who will bring about glorification in the end. He is a good God who gives good gifts to his children. God has given you so much. And I just think we forget sometimes. We live life and we pay bills and we go to work and we wake up and we work out. And we're looking for friendships and we're looking for experiences. And we forget that God has given us everything that we need. God has given us everything that we need and so much more. You know, one of my favorite things that God has given us, flip over to Luke chapter 12 real quick. Luke chapter 12. I love this. Jesus says that this is what, um, what God the Father gives us. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Fear not, little flock. For it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
I'm gonna read that again. It's such a good verse. It's packed full of so much truth. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, as I read that verse, uh, I think about that phrase, it's the father's good pleasure. And when you see that, when you hear that, you almost get this sense of like a dad getting excited to give his kid a gift. Like parents, try to like get in the skin of that for a second, okay? Try to think about that, of knowing on Christmas day that you're going to surprise your kid with this gift that is gonna be so good and like you're not dreading it. You're so excited to give your kid this gift on Christmas. I want for you to know that as a dad, this is how I feel. Like, I'm just so pumped for Christmas morning, for my kids to come downstairs, for, to see the looks on their little face, their little cute matching Pinterest pajamas, come downstairs, you know, see all the gifts, and then for them to wrap open, rip open all the wrapping paper, see their little reactions. Like, I'm the kind of dad who wants to surprise my kids that they get so excited that they start to cry, okay? Like, that's my goal in fatherhood. Like, they open that gift, and they're just like, thank you. Like, I don't even know what to say. Like, if that's not the reaction that I get from my kids, I feel like I failed as a father, okay? And I want for you to know tonight that that's exactly how your father feels about giving you the kingdom. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You see, a lot of times we think that God is in heaven just wanting things from us, demanding things of us, but he's actually up up in heaven going, no, it's my good pleasure to give them the kingdom. Oh, I cannot wait for them to finally push past all of those secondary presents. Oh, I cannot wait for them to get to that last gift that they are going to open up on Christmas and see that it is the kingdom and that it is beautiful and that it is bigger and that it is better than they could have ever imagined and than they could have ever dreamed. Oh, if you would know tonight, what a gift it is for your father to give you the kingdom. Because we're talking God of the universe wants to gift you a king and a kingdom. He wants to give you a new law to live by and a new land to live in. He wants to give you a new way of seeing the world, a kingdom of wholeness and fullness, a kingdom of shalom. Like this is a kingdom not of lack, but of excess, not of scarcity, but of abundance. This is a kingdom that cannot be shaken and that knows no end. This is a kingdom that will last forever, a kingdom that is advancing at the speed of light, a kingdom where the king sits on the throne. And his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know that God wants to invite you into his family and he wants to give you an inheritance and he wants to give you a mission that brings about meaning in your life. He wants to give purpose to your pain. Like that's the beauty of the kingdom is that in God's kingdom, he takes bad things and he has a way of reorchestrating everything and using them to bring about redemption. In God's kingdom, he takes those things that have happened in your life, those places of pain and of hurt, and he turns them into scars that tell a beautiful story of his redemption. In God's kingdom, he has a way of bringing like meaning, like real meaning to just the mundane of everyday life. Of you realizing that you're not just living for the here and now, but that what you're doing, how you're living, the story you're telling, it's gonna echo in eternity forever because his kingdom knows no end. His kingdom is a place where the last will become first, where those who's, who, who are humble, where they receive an inheritance that is beyond what they could imagine. Do you know that your father wants to give you the kingdom? And one thing that's just totally mind-blowing about this kingdom that God wants to give you is that he's not trying to sell you this kingdom and he's not trying to trade you this kingdom. He gives you this kingdom. It, can, it can't be bought or bartered for. It can't be earned in any way. The only way to have this kingdom is like a gift. You've got to receive it. Luke chapter 18, verse 17 says it like this. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Your father is not tight-fisted and he is not stingy and he is not Scrooge. 
He is liberal and generous and bountiful. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Like a dad who gives kids gifts on Christmas, he wants you to immediately start opening it and playing with it and experiencing it. And a lot of you, a lot of us, we have just taken the incredible gift that it is, that is being a part of God's kingdom, and we've left it under the tree, and we've never really unwrapped it. We've come to church, and we've played some religious games, but we've never understood what happens in our life when we make Jesus king. That is not like when you get that, that is a gift, that he's the king who's coming to rescue us, the king who's coming to save us, the king who's coming to redeem us, the king who's coming to open our eyes so that we don't live for something that's fleeting and meaningless, but that we live for something that's eternal and that will matter forever. You see, we don't realize that we are all at war. We're at a great war in this modern world and in this fast-paced culture and in a country that's consumed by materialism. We have this everyday, always inward battle that's going on on the inside. This battle that tells us that if we get that next promotion, that we'll finally be satisfied. This battle that tells us that if we upgrade to that next neighborhood, then all of our dreams will come to fruition. That if we get to that next pay raise or we get that next car that man then then I'm going to have the life of my dreams but the problem is is that you get it and it's still not enough and Jesus is coming as a great king who's going to don't lose this battle and forfeit your soul open your eyes open your eyes to see that I'm giving you a kingdom that far surpasses what you can see with your eyes a kingdom that will last forever you know, one of the things that was brought to my attention in preparation for this message is something that people do that I found I also am guilty of, and it is uh, called Zillow therapy, Zillow therapy. How many of you are fans of the app Zillow? Okay, I used to have it on my phone, don't anymore, okay? And uh, my friend, he was telling me that about this thing called Zillow therapy that people do where they go and they look at houses that are like 10 times more expensive than you could ever live in, right? And you're just like looking at the houses in your area and you're, you know, looking at, okay, what could I maybe have someday? And you're, you're daydreaming and it's innocent, if you will, but you do it like in your spare time and when you don't know what to do, you just start Zillow surfing and you're, you're looking, what, what kind of future house could I have there? If all goes according to plans, if all of my investments blow up, if I find the next Amazon or Tesla or whatever and, you know, strike a gold mine, what kind of house would I live in way down here? Do you know what it's revealing? It's revealing that we've got this longing for this future home, this future kingdom that will bring about all the desires of our heart. And what if today we would realize that no home and no neighborhood and no upgrade and no career move and no advancement and no pay raise and no bonus and no salary and no benefit will ever be able to satisfy that longing that's inside of your heart because it's the longing for a kingdom that cannot be shaken and a kingdom that is eternal. So how do we, how do we live in the kingdom? If, if God's going to give us this beautiful, glorious, advancing, can't be touched, can't be taken kingdom, what should our response to be? Luckily, the Bible doesn't leave us guessing. Luke chapter 12, verse 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's almost like Luke and Jesus realized that it's impossible to stand in the presence of God who is a giver and who has given us the greatest gift and do nothing. It's impossible to look into the manger on Christmas morning and see that what God has given us is not just a baby, but a king. A king who brings about a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that provides for us everything that our heart desires, ultimately desires, really desires, and just stand there and do nothing. It's almost like Luke knows that the right response to the kingdom is to be wise like the wise men, okay? If you want a Christmas like Jesus, you're going to need to be wise like the wise men, and you're going to need to not show up empty-handed, amen? And my mama always told me, you don't go nowhere empty-handed. When you show up, you bring a gift with you. 
And if you look at the wise men, the wise men brought gifts that matched Jesus' identity. Did you know this? So the three gifts that the wise men bring are gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, we don't know if there were actually three wise men. A lot of times that's an assumption because there were just three gifts. But we know that there were three gifts. And these three gifts were representative of Jesus' identity. So they brought gold. Why? Because Jesus is a king. And he's bringing about a kingdom. They brought frankincense. Why? Because Jesus is a high priest who gives us access to God. And they brought myrrh. Why? Because myrrh is an ointment that would have been used to prepare sacrifices or to prepare about uh, the, the burial rites when somebody would die. And so they brought myrrh because Jesus was a sacrifice. The final sacrifice for all mankind. They brought these gifts in accordance with Jesus' identity. And I just want for you to remember this, that Jesus' identity is a gift. He's the first Christmas gift. And so you can't show up in Christmas like Jesus and Christmas empty-handed. You've got to bring something. If Jesus comes as a gift to the world, well, then Christians need to also make themselves a gift to the world. Like, what's your gift? Because you should be a gift to the people around you. You should not be a liability. You should not be a hindrance. You should be an asset. You should be a gift to those around you. When people are around you, they should be blessed by your presence because you are giving, you are generous, you are sacrificial, just like Jesus. You can't show up and see the gift that's in that manger and just stand there and do nothing. You show up and you see the king in the manger and the kingdom that he wants to bring. And you better give your worship. You better give your praise. You better give your attention. You better give your adoration. You better give some focus. You better give some intention to the king in the manger. What's your gift? What are you bringing to the king who brought you everything? You can't stand in the presence of the giver and just be a spectator. That's not Christmasing like Jesus. What if Christmasing like Jesus meant that we might not ever be the biggest church and we might not ever be the coolest church, and we might not ever be the most creative church, but we can be the most generous church, amen? Because generosity isn't about amount, it's about an attitude of the heart. It's about how captivated my heart is by the king. You know that there are a million things that you can be generous with before we ever talk about money? There are a million things. You can be generous with your words, you can be generous with your encouragement. You can be generous with your compliments. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your beach house. My email is joey at elevatecc.church. Okay, you can be generous with so many things. You can be generous with your experience. You could take somebody out who's younger than you, who's maybe not made as far in their career. You can be generous with your experience. You can be generous with your connections. You can be generous with your time. You can show up and help set up and tear down. There are so many ways you can be generous this Christmas season. You can be generous by just random acts of kindness, by just doing things for strangers and for people that you see. You could buy somebody's groceries. You can be generous and buy somebody's gasoline at the gas pump. You can be generous in so many ways. Um, I, I've just been trying to think about what could I give like that I usually don't give. If I, if I really want a Christmas like Jesus, how could I just go above and beyond what I normally do in my everyday life? How could I give more compliments than I normally would? How could I give my time to people that I would normally pass over? How could I give attention to people who usually don't get it? And so I just started thinking, I wanna just be as creative as I can about giving in this Christmas season. So I started to think, you know, what if I gave up parking spots sometimes? Like, I don't know about you. I don't know if your mind's wired like this at all, but I, I turn into a lesser version of myself when I get behind the steering wheel of a car, okay? I am in a panic and in a rush and I drive way too fast and I'm stressed by the Atlanta traffic still to this day, grew up here, still hate it, right? And so every time that I like go into a parking lot, a crowded parking lot in this season, and there is a parking spot that's close to the front, I'm like, Jesus, I'm your favorite. Like, you love me more than you love anybody else. Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody else feel me on that? Like, when there's a parking spot up at the front? Like, what if, like, what if you just gave that parking spot to the car behind you? you just, oh, there it is up front. But you're like, you know what? I'm just going to make somebody else that. I'm going to give it to the next person. 
Some of y'all are like, he is preaching heresy right now. Like, I would never do that in my life. Like, what are you talking about? But what if you did? Like, you, you never know. Like, some mom coming in, she got 37 children behind her. They got, you know, boogers coming out of their mouth everywhere. What could you do to make her day if you just gave up that parking spot? You never know what the, kind, what, what the smallest act of generosity could do in somebody's life. You never know. You know, all of Christianity, I saw this this week, and I, I just loved it. All of Christianity is like one giant pay-it-forward program. You see one of these before where um, it'll happen where somebody's at a local coffee shop like a Starbucks, and they'll pay for the car behind them, and it'll, like, make the news. They'll be like, oh, my gosh, you'll never believe it. Somebody gave something, Right? It's so counter in our world today that it like makes a news headline. You'll never believe it, Tom. Somebody gave. And so a news crew will be like out there at the Starbucks and they'll be like, look at all these people giving. I uh, did some research and I found online that the longest one of these ever, the longest, you know, pay up forward program where you pay for the coffee and the car behind you, the longest one that I could find on the internet uh, it went for two days, and it made up 3,600 people. 3,600 people. Now, could you imagine being the one guy who shut that whole thing down? <laughs> it's like you, you show up, and the barista's like, you'll never believe it. This wild thing's been going on. 3,600 people have paid it for it and paid for the coffee behind them. So yours is paid for, sir. What would you like to do? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> Guy was probably a politician, you know, like he's just bad man, not in a good mood ever. You know, Christianity is a lot like that. Like somebody paid for the Bible to be translated so you could read it. Somebody generations before us paid for this church to be constructed so you could sit in it. Somebody paid for a camp that maybe you went to when you were a kid so you could hear the gospel and experience Jesus so you could give your life to him. You see, this is what Christians do. Christians fund ministry for non-Christians because non-Christians are never going to fund ministry for themselves. And so we pay for the gospel to go forward to Vegas and to the ends of the earth and in the city of Sandy Springs and to reach a lost and broken and hurting and dying world because they ain't never going to pay it for it themselves. And it's been paid for for us. And so it's time for us to pay it forward and give like Jesus gave. Amen. This is the whole story of Christianity. I just want for you to know tonight, just reflecting back on that Luke 12 passage. Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and get to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me just remind you that bikes rust, but the kingdom never fades. Houses, they got to be repaired, but the kingdom knows no end. Clothes, someday, it's going to wind up in some landfill or some weird animal. Some moth is going to eat it up. All that you have, just think about this for a second. This is just so good for us in this Christmas season. All that you have, every physical, material possession, and all that you're currently chasing is one day going to wind up in the junk. One day it's just going to be a bunch of trash that nobody wants. Like, do you remember when all you wanted was an iPod Nano? Anybody remember this? Gosh, if I could just get the Nano. Or a Walkman? Do you remember when you just had to have the Walkman? Big old headphones, cassette tape, CD. You remember burning CDs? You just had to have it, right? And it was just going to complete you, and you're just going to be cool. Boom boxes, hello. And now, it's just junk that nobody wants. It's probably in a radio shack somewhere. Because this is the way that it goes. And whatever it is now, 
Whatever car it is now, whatever trinket it is now, one day it's just going to be stuff that nobody wants. And here comes the king who's ushering in a new kingdom, who's trying to open your eyes, who's trying to pull back the veil, and who's trying to show you that there's two options. You can invest in the kingdom of this world and waste it, or you can invest in the kingdom of Jesus and no, no end. You could guarantee a return. The return on investment in kingdom endeavors knows no end. And I want for you to know tonight that one of the best ways to store up for yourself treasure in heaven is by investing in what gets people there. Investing in what gets people there. Investing in, in churches and organizations that preach the gospel, that proclaim the good news, that make, that make disciples, that create a place for people to come and experience the gospel and the hope of the world and encounter Jesus in real ways. One of the best ways for you to store up treasure in heaven is by investing in getting people there. Guys, let me just say tonight, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to, like, this church is wildly generous, okay? Like, it has blown me away how generous this church has been. And so I'm not up here tonight because we're hurting or we need your money. I want for you to know October was the greatest financial month that we've ever had. And we just recently received in December the largest financial gift this church has ever received, okay? And you should celebrate right there, right now, because you are surrounded by a group of generous, generous givers. And I want for you to know, like, if I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit like, I don't even want to tell you how much the gift was because it's like, oh my goodness, knock my socks off that somebody would believe in this this much, that they would want to sew into this this big. And so I'm not doing this because I need something from you tonight. Hear me say that. We're going to make payroll. We're, we're, things are going extremely well. I'm, I'm saying this tonight because I desperately want something for you. And this is where the kingdom is found. This is where life is found. This is the way that it's supposed to work. You want your heart to become untangled. You want all of the scroogeness that gets piled on top of you throughout this season because you get jaded by the gift never delivering the hype that it's hyped up to give. Man, start to give, start to sow in, start to realize that there's more to life than just getting more for yourself. So I'm not. I'm not up here trying to guilt you tonight, okay? I'm not going to like show you any pictures of cute babies or dogs or play Sarah McLaughlin, okay? No arms of the angel will be played tonight. I want for you to imagine that God's got this gift for you and it's called the kingdom and you're not gonna experience the fullness of it until you get on, in on giving just like the king gave to you. You know that you are never more like Jesus than when you give. You are never more like Jesus than when you give. He canceled out hell and gave you heaven. He paid for your sins and gave you salvation. He paid for your life at the cost of his death. Jesus gave. You are never more like Jesus than when you give. Giving is the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says it like this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. That's the gospel that Jesus gave to make us rich in salvation, rich in the kingdom. What is your response to the gospel? Giving is the gospel. You know, the Corinthian church got a whole lot wrong. Like if you ever read the book of Corinthians, you're going to see those people are wilding out. They're like getting drunk on communion wine. It's just, it's a bad deal, okay? It's like what happens in Corinth? Oh, y'all been there. Okay, cool, sweet. <laughs> it's a bad deal in Corinth, all right? But one thing that they got right was giving. This church, they were, they were small and they were poor and they were young. And it says out of their poverty, they gave. And it overflowed to a wealth of generosity for them. And this, this is like a summation statement of how they felt. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. They saw it as a gift to get to give. You see, every person who tithes has the exact same story. I want for you to think about this. 
Let me tell you this for a second. A tithe is, uh, it means a tenth. It also means first and best. And so everyone's tithing tonight. The question is just to what? Okay, something is getting your first and your best. God has just said, if you give me your first and your best, it'll go better for you. And so everyone's tithing. And everyone who tithes to their local church, who gives first 10%, their first and their best to their local church, they have the same exact source, same exact testimony. I've sat down with hundreds, thousands of them at this point. And this is their testimony. I can't believe that I get to do this. That's the testimony of every person who tithes. I can't believe that I get to do this. And every person who doesn't tithe has the exact same testimony. I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do it. And what's so interesting, let me show you a verse real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 um, says this. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm sorry. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You see, you'll never be able to afford a tithe until you start tithing. And then you'll see that once you start to do that, that God will meet all of your needs. He will meet all of your needs. And so every person who tithes, exact same testimony, I can't believe that I get to do this. God meets all my needs. He shows up in ways that I could never imagine. Every person who doesn't tithe, exact same testimony, I can't afford to do this. And you never will until you start. This is a gift that I'm trying to give you for the kingdom, for you to see God's benefit and his blessing and his favor in your life. We are not a prosperity gospel kind of church. I'm not going to be cute about it. I'm just going to tell you. I'm not telling you that God is going to give you a Ferrari if you give him 10% of your money. That's not this church, okay? It's not the way that it works. But I can tell you that, that what he will do for your soul and for what he will do for your faith and for the way that he will expand your vision of the kingdom and the way that I believe that he will supply and meet all of your needs, it will exceed your expectation when you start to give. All right, I want to close tonight by giving you a couple of things to think about. I want to give you uh, two thoughts, and I want to give you one story. Two thoughts and one story. The first thought is this, is have you ever thought about the things that God loves in the Bible, things that it says that he loves. I found it interesting. And obviously you could go in the Bible and you could see that God loves his people, that he loves his children, he loves his creation. But then, but then there are these other specific things that it says that God loves in the Bible. It says that he loves his sanctuary, he loves righteous deeds, he loves justice, he loves worship, he loves the gates of Zion. Makes me want to see the gates of Zion. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says this, that God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. I, like, this is how, I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm really trying to be for you. Like, if you, don't, if you can't give it cheerfully, just keep it. Just keep it. Because I'm after your heart today, right? I'm not after your money. I'm only, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show you that what God wants is your heart and that your money is this doorway to your heart and that if you really want to be in like great relationship with the king inside of his kingdom and you want to please the king, then you got to give cheerfully because that's the kind of giver that God loves. God loves a cheerful giver. Can we just talk business for a second? We're all rich. If you make $40,000 a year gross income as a family, you are in the top 1% of people in the entire world. In the top of 1% of people in the entire world. This Christmas, our garbage disposals will eat more than most people around the world. We've got houses for our cars that are called garages. And we can't even let our cars go into their houses because we got too much junk in our cars' houses. <laughs> we are so rich and so wealthy. And could it be? that our attitude around money is so out of whack because we are looking for money to provide what it never can. You've got a good king who's given you a great kingdom and what he wants more than anything else is your heart. 
It's your heart. Because once he gets your heart, everything else is going to follow. God loves a cheerful giver. You know, if I ever get to a point where I feel like I can't cheerfully give, I realize that it's not a money issue, it's a heart issue. And I've got to start asking myself where I've allowed my heart to get wrapped around and entangled with something above God. God loves a cheerful giver. Here's the next idea I want to leave you with. Do you know the first time the word give appears in the New Testament? The first time that it shows up in the Gospels? Let me show you the first time that we see the word give appear. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. The first time the word give appears in the Bible is Satan offering to give Jesus the kingdom of this world if he just bows down. I'm just here to tell you tonight, don't fall victim to the enemy's lies. Don't believe that getting from this world is going to satisfy your soul. Don't bow down and worship the culture. The culture, the kingdom of culture tells you that it's about getting, but the kingdom of Jesus understands that it's about giving. Guys, I want for you to know, I fall victim to this too. I have to fight against this every single day. Like in this season right now, man, I come home and every single day there's packages on my door. The other day I had to ask Kayla, I'm like, hey, did we come in an Amazon shipping center? Because every day there's just packages on the door. I went on Google Earth and you know how you can go on Google Earth and you can see your house? And I go and I look at my house and sometimes the car is in the driveway. Sometimes the car is not in the driveway. Sometimes there's leaves on the trees. Sometimes there's not leaves on the trees. There's always packages on the door though. Always boxes on the front. And, and I'm having to ask her, I'm like, can you help me understand this? Can we sort through? She's like, well, all of these are actually going to get returned, okay? And these are for somebody else. And those are for the kids. And there's nothing actually in here for you or for me, right? But we so easily can get pulled into the inertia of more and things and stuff. And I just want for you to know it's, just don't fall victim to Satan going, hey, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world if you would just bow down. My friend, Sean, was recently in New York and he went up there on a trip and decided that he wanted to go to a New York Knicks game. And so he was kind of late to the game and he was with some friends and he met a friend in the city and uh, it was about halftime of the game. And so they decided that they were going to go and scalp for tickets outside. And so he starts scurrying around and he finds this scalper. He says he kind of emerges from a dark alley and steps into the light and says, hey, you looking for tickets? And uh, Sean goes, yeah, I am looking for tickets. And so he, uh, he starts to barter with him and tries to, you know, talk him down in the price and he thinks he gets this incredible deal for tickets and they're like courtside tickets and it's halftime and so they grab the tickets and they walk up to the line and they kind of stand at security and they go through security and then they start to hear the sound of the game they hear the fans cheering and they smell the popcorn and they're envisioning what it's going to be like to see this courtside game and they get up there where the guy's punching tickets and scanning tickets and he scans Sean's ticket and scans it again, he scans it again, scans it again, hands the ticket back to Sean and goes, these are fake. These are counterfeit. You bought fake tickets. So Sean's a firecracker. He grabs the tickets and he storms out and he goes back into the alley and he finds this man who sold him these fake tickets and he begins to engage in this real heated exchange and says, you sold me fake tickets. And the guy's like, I've never even met you before in my life, bro. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, no, you sold me these tickets. You better give me my money back. And then like six of his thug friends emerge from the darkness. And Sean says, I decided I wanted to live. And so I just took my ball and my fake tickets and I went home. And uh, as Sean was telling me that story this week, I couldn't help but think about how sad it's going to be 
when we get to the end of the line in life and we stand at heaven's gates and we've got our ticket, whatever it is, whatever we bought with this life, whatever career we've gained for ourselves, whatever reputation we've bought ourselves, whatever house we've purchased for ourselves, whatever cars we've acquired for ourselves, and we've got this ticket of this life and all that we spend our time and our money and our things on, and we go and we try to have God scan it to see if we're gonna get in. He says, I'm sorry, but you've bought a counterfeit kingdom. You've lived for this world and for the things in it. And you forfeited your soul. My heart tonight is to just remind you that even the Son of Man, even God in His glory, God in His majesty, who owns everything, came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Do you want a Christmas like Jesus? Let's pray. God, I thank you for the incredible gift of the kingdom. And God, I pray that tonight would be a reminder of all that we've been given in Jesus. And Jesus, that we would cheerfully, joyfully, gladly give back to you everything that we can because you've so generously given to us. God, remind us tonight that we're never more, more like Jesus than when we give. I want for you to know tonight that the first thing that God wants for you to give him is your life. If you're new to this, if you're new to church, if you're new to Christianity, and then I want for you to know that what Jesus wants you to give him first is your sin and your past and your rebellion. He wants you to give him your obedience and your faithfulness and your life. He wants you to give him your surrender. So right where you are, I just wanna invite you to do that right now. Just say, God, I give you my life give you my fears I give you my sin I give it all to you Jesus because you gave it all for me the story of the gospel is that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us Jesus gave up his life on Calvary so that you could be given eternal life forever and so if you prayed that prayer tonight if you gave your life to Jesus, I just wanna give you an opportunity to mark that moment, just a sign of surrender saying, God, I give you all of me. I surrender to the King and I want his kingdom. So if you prayed that prayer on the count of three, I just wanna invite you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Yeah, amen, amen, amen. Let's celebrate people giving their life to Jesus tonight. Come on.